Welcome to Sin 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Hey everybody, we are back again and very, very happy to be with you. I have had a great week, Sarah. Yes, me too. What'd you do? Well, I was out of town again with my family. We were in Indio and I was at the pool all day with my three-year-old cousin and my other cousins and family. And it was a blast. I had so much fun. If you're going to be in Indio, being at the pool... Yes. Or you're in the air conditioning are the two best places yes. to be. Yes, and I highly recommend doing it with a three-year-old because you'll go on the lazy river and he'll be on your inner tube and it becomes a pirate ship. Nice, And it's done. awesome. You know, I had a similar vacation and we were beach camping with a whole bunch of my grandkids. And the thing I like about it the most, besides being with Sylvie and camping with Sylvia is a wonderful thing. But it's that you kind of shift into the age of who you're hanging out with. I'm a 12-year-old. I'm with Chase David Heilman and it's way <laughs> way fun. And we're going to have fun today as well. I am so honored to be our guest friend, but it's the kind of person that you want to be with. There's some life and some passion and fun is the word that comes up uh, so many times when we talk about my good friend, Marty Wilson. Well, it's my honor and pleasure to be here. We're glad to have you. You're a husband, you're a father, you're a believer, you are involved in foreign missions, and you're also a business owner in landscaping and hardscaping. Before we jump into why we brought you on the show and different things, we'd love to hear just what is your testimony? You know, how did you come to faith? Well, I came to faith. My mom and my dad were raised by alcoholics and very dysfunctional family. So when they got, they accepted the Lord, they got married early, but we would have devotions in the morning and we would have devotions in the afternoon and we would have devotions in the evening. And we were just saturated with Bible reading and, and missionary stories. And it was about Thanksgiving and I was about four and we were going through John 3, and my mom was reading us about, you must be born again. And I thought, well, if I must, I guess I must. <laughs> it wasn't you might want to consider it, or it's just like, you must be born again. And as a, as a four-year-old, I thought, you know, I need to do this. So the, the missionary story stuck, the hymns stuck, just being saturated in a household that reflected the kingdom of God stuck. I didn't stick as well as the story stuck. So I, I kind of had the worst of both worlds. I couldn't enjoy the things God had for me because I was enjoying the things of the world and I couldn't enjoy the things of the world because I had God's Holy Spirit living in me. And when I was about 28, I was up at San Alejo be at the beach. I like to get there early to surf. So I put my board over the fence, have a brand new wetsuit on. I'm crawling over the fence and there's this little kid on the other side pulling on my leg saying, you got to come through the gate. You got to come through the <laughs> gate. I'm straddling this fence. It has those rusty galvanized wire that wasn't bent. And I'm thinking, Lord, I don't want to lose the wetsuit, but I definitely don't want to <laughs> lose what's underneath. And as I was up there, just this flash said, Marty, this is your life. You've got one foot in the mm -hmm. world, one foot in me and you need to enter through the gate. And at that point, I realized I'd been living with the worst of both worlds. I moved to the place where when it said believe, believement, surrender, change allegiance, obey, it wasn't just something in my head. And from then on, God has been faithful and he's given me a lot of the desires of my heart. I mean, I can't think of anything I've really wanted to do that I haven't. I like the fact that you're becoming a Christian is because you, your mom told you you must be. Actually, I think Jesus said you must. Yeah. He well, said you must be, be born of above. Okay. 
Okay, well, that has even more clout than mom at four years old, baby. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, you and I share a a really good friend who's been on our podcast, Dr. Brian Linskis. I really want to encourage everybody to go listen to Life's Best Medicine, episode 55. That's Marty. In that podcast, what was so fun to listen to is that you talked about foreign missions experiences and miracles and just God's passion for people that you get to be a part of with Brian. And so everybody who has got some curiosity about foreign missions and uh, what God is really doing in other places in the world, go dive into that. Yeah. One thing I loved and enjoyed about that episode is just, you talked a lot about just listening to the Holy Spirit. You even told a story where you missed it once, but mm-hmm. the Lord redeemed it and, mm-hmm. and came back around with that. I'd love to know, where did that, in your faith journey, where did that kind of start for you where you started to be so open about your faith and look for those opportunities in your everyday life? Well, my nickname in the neighborhood was The Preacher. Our church started Word of Life Clubs and I had invited like 29 kids and I just always wanted to share the gospel even though I couldn't really live the the gospel. I knew that people needed it and I wanted people to know about Jesus. But when we're talking about foreign missions and experience I had, rural country in the rural place, they uh, would bring people to church in a dump truck. And the dump truck broke down and there was about 50 people waiting at the park. And I had a Toyota Yaris and they said, can you bring people? And I thought, okay, to do it in four trips, it's it's 13. So we put 13 people in the Yaris, <laughs> took them out to where they were going, came back, put 13 more in, took them to the church and came back. And on my second trip back, God's presence just filled the car and he said, Marty, I have given you the privilege of bringing me worshipers. Mm. Then he showed me a redemption center and all of these cans and bottles scattered over the wayside. And he said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. So at that point, I didn't share the gospel for the human sake. I shared it for God's sake. (sighs) And whenever we share it for God's sake, God gets something he's purchased and paid for. And the human being is the beneficiary. For me, it was a complete paradigm shift. I've given you the privilege of bringing me worshipers. And I knew he wasn't talking about the car. Well, and you know, right on on the bottle or the can, it says the redemption value. So when you're sharing that, I'm going, yeah, this recycling center, and he's making us new, and he's making us something different, and we get to be a part of that redemption process. Yeah, it didn't always work out that great. One of the things I've been so impressed with, Marty, is that, first of all, just like Sarah's saying, you listen to the Lord and the best you can, even when and that time where you missed an opportunity and he goes, we'll do better next time. It's a partnership. But you are not always completely by the rules, completely by the book. You approach it with a freedom and a style that I think really breaks through with people. And of course, you've got to be creative in the foreign mission field. But a big part of what we've talked about is how that translates to people who may not ever go to a foreign land and how they can do that kind of partnership with Jesus right here, right in their neighborhood or right across the street. How does that translate to day-to-day? Well, day-to-day, one thing I, I really like that you make a differentiation between foreign missions and foreign missionaries because people said, man, I wish I was a missionary. And it's like, bro, you are. Yeah. As soon as your feet hit the floor, 
floor, you're on the mission field. In Galatians 2.20, it says, the life I live, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So if he's living in us, we just go be ourselves. There's a piece where I fit, and there's definitely a piece where I don't fit. God created us all unique and individual, so I'm out there to be me with the Holy Spirit. I mean, all me would not be good. <laughs> but, but with the Holy Spirit leading and guiding, there's going to be a connection that I make, and they can connect. And it's really just simply just living your life before others and taking on their burdens and letting life flow without really having an agenda. And that's disarming, you know, when they see that this is just, you're being who you are with Christ. And I think it's an attitude of our heart that needs to be adjusted so that we can reach out. It says in First Peter to anyone who asks, to all sorts of people, how is your experience overseas affected how you share Jesus here? Personally, it allows me to believe for more. As Americans, here we have so many options. But there, if you want breakfast, you have to cry out to the Lord. And there's a, a sense of desperation. You cry out in desperation with God as your only hope. He answers, and then there's an expectation for it. And then there's that cycle of crying out, expectation. And this is what the Lord's really convicted me of. Is In Isaiah 30, 15, it says, In repentance and rest will be your salvation. I said, Lord, what do we need to repent from? And he says, Your comfort and the desire for your kids' comfort. He said, I didn't call you to be comfortable. I called you to be conformed to my image. We never get desperate, so we never get expectant. And since we never get desperate, God doesn't answer because we're finding our comfort in so many other areas. Most of my Christian life has been focused on the micro and not the macro. When it mm. comes to those cans, those cans are being collected to form a nation under a king who has a kingdom whose job for us is to displace every other kingdom by discipling people. But we think in America, we, we've brought it down to an individual salvation and an individual yeah. part. But when we came to the Lord, we're a new creation completely. We are humanity with the divine mm. nature living in us. And our occupation has changed. We're now priests. We are that holy nation. And only a nation can change a nation. A political party can't change a nation. And as us as that holy nation, we represent God to the people and the people to God. You mentioned about the need for being desperate. How do you get desperate, especially in America, where most of our listeners are, where we're pretty comfortable? I mean, it doesn't take much sometimes for us to be comfortable. So how do you disconnect that from your circumstances and actually get desperate before God? The way I see it, and I'm in process, not that I've attained it, but I understand a lot more than I can apply. The secret is, is realizing we're not our own. We were bought with the price. If Jesus suffered, he says, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. We put way too much emphasis on comfort. And then we think if we're going to be comfortable, I need to work hard so I have a good retirement. I need to pay my house off. And I, I was in that thought process once and, and the Lord kind of said, why do you want that? So you don't have to trust in me on a daily basis? Well, I want to use it for missions. And he saw right through that. But I, <laughs> <laughs> there is that point where, where we have to realize that we're not our own. It's not about our comfort. It's, a, it's about us being formed in us. And if we want to know the power of the resurrection, he says we get it through the fellowship of his sufferings. So if we're careful with our words and we're careful with who we hang out with, we can avoid a lot of rough waters. But we're never going to get what we're looking for. Who, who does God comfort? He says he comforts those who mourn. How do you have a victory? And we have to engage and we have to put comfort to the side. And there's nothing wrong with, I mean, we were born in America. We're Americans. We have have more. God says, you know, I will send you the comforter. It's like, oh, I've already got it. I, yeah. I got money in three different accounts and I got my cars. And he goes, no, I want to be your comforter. And I remember Pastor Mark saying something that just stuck with me forever. And he said, the only place you're not going to find Jesus is in your comfort zone. 
you, you don't have to like beat yourself and do extraordinary things. You get out of your comfort zone by being obedient to him and by serving. It could be just taking that step of talking to somebody. It could be using your resources in such a way that it blesses people and brings Jesus glory. Go do something. And I agree with you, Marty. That's where you're going to find your fulfillment. How did this transition with you in the passion that's to help Christian business people? That kernel was planted when I was about 20 or 21. I had a great position as a salesperson, and one of the leaders at church gave me this book that told me how wrong it was to work in the marketplace. The Lord, he, he, he always has to talk to me in simple ways. So we have a friend who, his wife collected dolls, and he was showing me these dolls. They're, they're Cupid dolls from the, the 30s and 40s, and the date is stamped on the bottom. So I go to this garage shell, and I see this huge box of dolls in the corner. So I go to the corner, get down on my knees, and I start pulling down the doll's panties, and, and the lady goes, hey, you pervert get out of here in front of everybody i didn't want to tell her ma'am i'm only looking for a date but but i was shamed and i got kicked out of the garage sale about 10 years no this is probably 15 years later i was getting up in the morning and said lord you know i've always wanted to be in full-time ministry why am i doing what i'm doing and he said marty you are in full-time ministry it's called wilson landscape. He said, and unfortunately, there's some in the church who have treated you like that lady treated you at the garage sale, where you felt like you were doing something dirty when you weren't. Kind of, I think there's a lot of Christian businessmen who, depending on where you grow up, I mean, full-time ministry was really the only option for any any God-fearing person. And I, I chose a different way because that's how God wired me. And he just showed me a lot of ways. He said, you know, Marty, you've been in full-time ministry. And he showed me things along the way that confirmed it. And, and then in the church, Church, you know, a lot of times the business people, you're valuable because you can bring money. But the talents and the giftings, there, there's not always an outlet in the church form. But as a businessman, you have a natural contact with your clients, your suppliers, your vendors. You've got a lot of natural contact in a lot of different contexts. And, and it's real natural because if, if you have the title pastor, people kind of want to clean up or doors are shut. My brother's a pastor and he says, Marty, I wish I had as many open doors as you have. I hope business people are really listening to this because it has been so true in the church. I've seen it. Evangelism happens 90-something percent outside the walls of a church. And you're his representative wherever you go. Could you share a story of one of those open doors and just kind of break down that experience, that story for us of where you're out in the marketplace and you see an opportunity and you go for it? Yeah, this was like 1989. The economy was shifting. We had grown and we had quite a few people working for us. And we hit this point where we were out of work. It was a Sunday night. Paul and I had just prayed and said, Lord, we need work. We've got bills to pay. We've got employees who have families. And and we prayed about it. And then I thought, well, I should go pick up the phone and, and call the guys and tell them there's no work tomorrow. So I pick up the phone and Marty, this is so-and-so. I know you weren't scheduled to be here for three weeks, but I need you out here tomorrow, and I'm willing to pay extra. I love Jesus. Yeah, that was good because we we bid that one tight because we wanted to keep the guys busy. So anyways, I was able to tell him, thank you, we'll see you tomorrow. So the next day, I, I, I said, you know, sir, you are an literal answer to prayer. I said, when you called, the phone didn't even ring. I had just finished praying, asking God to provide, and being the great man of faith, I was calling my guys to tell them there was no work. But God used you to get us out here. You were an answer to prayer. And I just want to say thank you. 
one thing. Then a- another time that I get a call from a guy we'd done work for before. And he goes, Marty, we're moving our offices. Would you do the job? And my first thought is, no way. Last time, you took so long to pay me, but something checked my spirit. And that night, I was reading one of my life verses is Amos 3.3. It says, can two walk together unless they agree to do so? So I felt the Holy Spirit say, Marty, emotionally, financially, spiritually, business-wise, tell them your bottom line. So the next day, I met with them. He says, okay, we'll do it. We started the job in late August. We finished in December. Through that relationship, we developed a relationship that went on for a lot of years. And, and God would speak to me things, and I would share them with him, and it would be like a prophetic word regarding his business and regarding things. Just able to bring the gospel into it, but it was all from a relational point. I love that 315 where it says, be prepared to give anyone who asks. Yes. And I have a heat and light paradigm I kind of use. If the conversation is going to produce more heat than light, that's another part of the puzzles yeah. job. I've had that experience in business too. The bills are higher than the check. And somebody calls up and said, why haven't you started this job yet? Uh, sorry, you know, and so I've seen the Lord's provision, but you took that provision that he gave you and you shared it with the guy. You don't know what he was going through, his relationship with the Lord, if any, right? And so you use that. But the thing about it is that if we will take the Lord at his word, if we'll say, okay, Lord, I'm stepping out, the Lord will just use what we have, you know, like fishes and loaves. He's going to breathe on it. He's going to do his miracle. So the people who are listening have opportunities that they just don't think the Lord is involved with it at all. That's separated somehow. There's this spiritual thing and then there's work. He wants to use it. He will use it. He'll use it supernaturally and you'll see him work on your behalf right in the midst of it for his glory. I think too, I can tell that you're very bold when you say that to this guy, hey, you're an answer to prayer. From you sharing it, I can tell that's like just naturally you. Probably a good amount of our listeners are not quite like that. They would think that in their head, oh my gosh, this guy is answering this prayer. This is crazy. They might tell their spouse or their best friend or their family or their pastor about that. But you take the extra mile and actually tell that to the person, not knowing where they're at with God or anything. Where do you get that boldness? Is that more natural for you? And if it is, what's your encouragement to those who don't have it naturally for them to build that and take that extra step? You know, the way God wired me is I'm, I'm kind of shameless. I'm, I'm not easily embarrassed. I talk a lot. A friend of mine told me a long time ago, if, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. <laughs> so, so for me, that comes naturally. And then God has tempered the natural me because, it, you know, at family parties, people didn't want to come because my thoughts and my, my words were offensive, but they were funny. We got to realize that some people are turned off by a bold person. We're all different. We all, we're one body with many parts. We're living stones and no one of us carries the whole thing. So God has graced me in a way like that. If you have a problem and you want someone to listen to you and hold your hand, I'm not that good at that. And our problem comes whenever we start comparing the measure of grace that God has given us to somebody else's measure of grace. Because I can be shy and timid in my boldness. Because we can look at somebody who looks like they're doing a lot and they might be operating at 10% capacity, but they're just wired different. Then you have somebody who looks like they're doing very little and they're way out on the edge and they're through fear and trembling they're sharing. So the, the secret is not to compare and to realize, you know, this is the measure of grace that God has given me and run with it because we're only held accountable for what we have, not for what we don't have. That the quiet, soft-spoken person is going to be able to touch somebody that the louder 
it's so powerful and I think it touches way beyond the styles because I think Marty when you're saying that God uses what you have you're talking about not just the physical things that we have the circumstances our career you're talking about everything about us our personality right. the way we think our education all of that stuff every detail of us is what we have for God to use and I love yeah to break shame if you're not the super bold outright person, that's okay. God has a way that he's going to use you that will reach a specific type of person. Right. And you know, on the website, sent315.org, there's a, a short quiz that is encouraging. I'm like this. Oh yeah, that's me. Now I don't have to try to compare myself to somebody else. I'm in the game. Nobody's not in the game. And so I think that's really, really important. Don't compare yourself to anybody, whoever said it, Eleanor Roosevelt or, or Bree Spitz, my daughter. Comparison is the thief of joy. And this walk and, and being in partnership with Christ is joyful. Don't compare yourself to anybody, just go do it. Yeah, for sure. You talk a lot about just being able to listen and hear the Holy Spirit and you get his direction in your life, whether he's dropping thoughts in your head or however it looks for you. How did that develop for you? And what is your encouragement to those who are more in the beginning journey of hearing him and listening to his voice? Well, my upbringing was really strict Baptist. We didn't believe in the gifts. And then uh, on my first foreign missions trip, I met Al Green. And he started his ministry when he was 62, and I met him when he was about 75. And he just lived out here in the Holy Spirit. He said, Marty, you're hearing it, but you're just not giving him credit for it because it's outside of your paradigm. Ah, that's a good way to put it. He said, you know, we're a new creation. The Holy Spirit lives in us, and we have new abilities to hear and to see and to discern and to understand. And God was just real gracious with me. He would show me, he's always talked to me in like analogies, like when I was 16, surfed at Wind and Sea Beach, and there the waves look like they break easy, but they have a lot of power. Mm. And he goes, this is sin. He said, it looks like you can push through, but it's going to push you back. It's going to take you down longer and harder. And then out throughout life, he would just give me little parables or little similitudes, things that that made sense. And then I started realizing, hey, that, that's God talking to me. Or in a conversation, you would sense a switch in the conversation. Oh, that's God moving. You would see things shifting. And I think it's just having the eyes to see and realizing that as God works through me, it's for a bigger purpose. And he has a kingdom. And my part in it is to help displace the other kingdoms. And, and you can see things on a bigger level, but if you're just looking through this little tiny keyhole, the, how does God speak to me about me about me? We've lost our focus already. Honestly, my Christian life, most of it is in the desert because if I was always moving on feelings, I would be dry most of the time and I would be doubting, but God always shows up. I know he's there. Just a, a settled belief, but it's not the emotions. Some people hear from God in audible voices. They hear him all the time. They see him all the time. And that's not my experience. There are people who are listening who kind of want to get started. They've got an ache to enter into it. What would be the first step? The first step would be to ask myself, have I accepted the authentic gospel? What is my belief look like? Because Paul says, 
I am convinced, therefore I'm compelled. And if we're not convinced, and, and when we come to Christ, it's for the forgiveness of our sins and eternal life is a benefit and a family is a benefit. But the call is to die, to deny ourselves, to deny our upbringing, our education, our influence, and surrender it all to Christ. So if, if we haven't dealt with our death to self and our resurrection to new life in the Holy Spirit and in God, we're going to get stuck and everything's going to be a, a lot harder. So that would be my first thing is realize that you are signing up for a death that brings life. You are signing up for losing your life so that you'll gain it. Realize that God has so much more for us. If we're in our comfort zone, the how's the old saying go? There's no growth in the comfort zone and there's no comfort in the growth zone. Just say, Lord, I'm dead. I'm yours. I want you to live your life through me. I realize those good works you preordained for me to do most likely aren't going to happen on Sunday between nine and noon. They're going to happen outside the wall. And just say, Lord, destroy any misconceptions I have about you. Let me go back to what the gospel was, to look at where you're at, come to grips with how God made you, where he's put you, the experiences he's given you. And, and what am I already doing? And say, Lord, I just give it to you. And, and a lot of times we walk around half crucified where we still have one free hand. And, and we need to realize that whenever we died with Christ, we died to the sin nature. We died to condemnation, shame, guilt. We died to basically being orphans and slaves. And as we're resurrected, we come up baptized into Christ, which is the fulfillment of everything. And in baptism, we come up as that one new man in Christ where it's not Greek, Jew, black, white. Mexican rich, poor, employer, employee, couth, uncouth. We lay it all down and we come up a different creature. But our tendency is to gravitate back to our history, who we are racially, who we are educationally, what our experiences are. But all of those things need to be submitted to the kingdom out of the context of others. It's absolutely free, but it costs us everything. And it's a process. We have a gracious God who, if we mess up, we don't lose it. We just say, I blew it. Thank you for forgiving me. And we move on. And just that whole, you'll do better next time. You know, Marty, I love, I think it's critically important that we understand that we are part of something very large. God's got big plans and he has made us into a kingdom of priests to displace the kingdoms of darkness. And when Jesus says, I came to destroy the works of the enemy. Those are the kingdoms that we're talking about. Yeah. We're playing our part the way we're made as a body, not as lone rangers. That's what it's all about. Yeah, and the other part is, it's not just us here now. We have everybody who's gone on before yeah. and everybody who's gonna be here. We are not part of a small losing team. No. When he said, I'm gonna build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it, we're part of that victorious team. Whenever his seat was seated, he's given us all authority. And I just love Ephesians 3.10 which most of us don't even start to understand. It said that, that God gave us the church to show the administration of his kingdom to the principalities and powers of this air to show them who's boss. And you look at John 17, where it talks about unity. And if we don't get John 17, we're not going to get Ephesians 3.10. Oh, man. You know, this is uh, another one of those times together with somebody that we can have back and go deeper and really see this work out in our lives, Marty. I well, appreciate thanks for it. reminding me that because the enemy always says, are you making a difference? What difference have you made so i've just been thinking this as you've been talking thinking about a person who's sitting there and saying i don't have anything and the fact is we've been given everything in heavenly places we are 
a gift. So you hear about people being gifted. You're given. You're a gift. And I'm with you, man. Yeah, I think one of my biggest takeaways today that's so powerful is exactly that, that you are a whole person and not just the things in front of you or the things that you own do you have to offer, but you as who you are, a living, breathing human, that is a gift. You are gifted in your existence and you can reach people just by being there. Some other takeaways I loved, we just touched on it for a moment, but does this conversation bring more heat than light? Then the other thing is to remember that God is speaking. John 9, I believe, is where Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. And he talks about how the sheep know his voice. And so if you are a Christian, if you have received the gospel, then you're his sheep. You are able to hear his voice. He promised that to you. And whether or not you're sure about the spiritual gifts and all of that, God is speaking. He is leading you. And if you're wanting to recognize that more, ask him. Ask him to show you. And maybe even as Marty was sharing, you realized, oh yeah, that one time I was looking at a seashell or whatever, you know, he told the analogy of (laughs) God speaking to him in the ocean, but maybe he didn't realize it at that time, but later on. And so just ask the Lord and notice that because we all have times where something amazing comes into our head and we're like, oh, that definitely wasn't me. Or you say something and you can sometimes feel that it hits someone in a deeper way than you ever thought. And sometimes it's the Lord speaking through you. And then just remembering that the gospel really does set us free. It sets us free from the sin nature. It sets us free from the condemnation, from the shame, even from the shame that the enemy tries to put on us because we feel like we're not making a difference or we're not sharing our faith enough. God is there with you in that and he sees you and he's using you probably more than you even know. And sometimes we need to sit down and just focus in on his gospel and remember that we are part of a kingdom, Mm. that we aren't on our own, and God is using us as part of his kingdom, and that that is good and beautiful, and we can have peace and joy from that. For me, I'm just convicted, and I want to really spend some time with the Lord myself, and other people might feel this way. Am I really living a convinced life? Thank you so much, Marty, for coming and sharing your stories and your joy and your humor with us. My pleasure. So for everybody listening, not only are we sent, but we're given. We're a gift. So let's go give it away. 